Louie. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to After the Ending, the live experience, unless you're watching or listening later, in which case it's the was once live experience and now is less live. Uh, I am Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are here today to talk to you guys about movies and all sorts of movie-related stuff. And uh, Phil, why don't you tell people what we're talking about and which episode this is and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, this, as uh, regular viewers will know, we split our episodes now into two parts. This is the uh, the main feature. And after this, it will be the uh, post-credit episode. But this episode, we're going to be going after the ending of 1997's In-N-Out film, uh, basically in celebration of Pride Month, which is also why the colors behind me are changing. I've got a fancy new light and wanted to try it out. Uh, and we'll also be discussing in this episode uh, with uh, lockdown lifting and people being able to go back to the cinemas, uh, what the cinema experience is like with uh, Mike's been to the cinema or theatre or pictures or whatever you want to call it. He's been. He had an experience. Uh, I have yet to be in and I'm looking forward to going back there. But uh, as you also know, you can comment. If you're watching this live on Facebook, if you leave comments. We'll be able to see them, and we can always flash them up if need, need be. So when we're discussing going to the cinema, you can also get, get in touch about that and let us know what you're, you've been up to, what you've been seeing. Uh, and then when we get to the post-credit episode, we'll let you know what's going on there. But it's going to be top five and recommendations as normal. Sounds good. I, I realize now that you've got the color-changing lights and everything, and I literally picked the most colorless shirt I own. It is like gray. <laughs> And why I didn't even think to wear a, a multicolored shirt. But yes, we uh, we are here celebrating Pride Month. We thought we'd get in on the action because Phil and I are both allies. And so we wanted to uh, kind of get a little bit of a theme. I mean, nothing nothing crazy, but I thought of uh, In and Out. I thought it would be a fun movie. It's a great comedy from 1997 starring Kevin Klein, Joan Cusack, and Tom Selleck. Um, and so we thought, what, a, what better way to kick off Pride Month than by a movie that I think is... Uh, um, a really nice, um, one of the few kind of gay-themed comedies out there. Like, usually when you see a lot of films that focus on, you know, homosexual characters or LGBTQ plus characters, uh, they tend to be very heavy dramas a lot of times. Um, and in and out is just a really good, fun comedy, so we thought that would be fun to, to get into. So we're going to go after the ending of that. Um, it's a film which uh, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about. <laughs> other people might have forgotten about it because 1997 yeah it's a while ago looking at the cast i mean kevin klein tom Selleck, john cusack matt dillon debbie reynolds bob newhart wilford brimley it's a great cast yeah. it was actually a pretty big hit film um yeah, yeah. When it came out i know it's not one of the ones that you know gets talked about a lot but it it made like 60 some odd million dollars just domestic which i think would nowadays be probably equal to what like 150 million or so i mean it was a, a big hit. a lot of people talking about it. it it was one of those movies that it definitely stayed in theaters for a while like it had good legs you know um and uh, it is it's a great cast and uh i I actually really enjoy the movie. I think it's very, very funny. Do you, uh, I know you said you haven't, you said you kind of forgotten about it. Do you remember if you? No, I do remember. I remember enjoying it as well. And it's, uh, it's, 
as you said, it's one of the few uh, gay comedies as well. But it's, it's. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the is it the Bird's Nest? That's another one I could think of. Well, and I think you got the Birdcage, and you've got Kissing Jessica. I don't want to say there aren't any gay themed comedies out there, yeah. but you do. I think you'll find that you know when there's a, you know a, a cinematic film coming out that focuses on gay characters, they do tend to lean more towards the um, towards the dramatic, unless it's a gay character who's like a sidekick in a comedy film that you see a lot. But yeah, yeah. when it's about multiple gay characters, usually it's a drama. So yeah. I, I really like In and Out. I think it's a lot of fun. I think Kevin Klein is terrific, and I think Tom Selleck is terrific in it. A really against type role for him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was you know, um, Joan Cusack got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for it. So it's a really, um, I think it's a really fun film. Uh, and I, I was real excited when I when I, it popped into my head, um, and I was like, hey, let's do that film. And uh, then I was like, yeah, it's such a fun movie. It's a fun movie to revisit. So. Uh, I'll give you guys a quick recap for those of you who haven't seen it in a while. Um, basically, Kevin Klein plays um, uh, Howard Brackett, a small town teacher in Indiana, and uh, his student Cameron uh, Drake, played by Matt Dillon, wins an Oscar. And in his speech, he thanks a bunch of people, including Howard Brackett, and says, and he's gay, which, of course, is a big surprise to everyone in the small town. No one more so than Howard Brackett himself, who does not think he's gay. So then, of course, the, the media invades the town and all the townspeople. Everybody wants to know if he's gay or not. He doesn't think he is. He's engaged to Joan Cusack. Tom Selleck is one of the reporters. He sticks around. He tries to convince Howard that he secretly is gay. There's an incredibly great 12-second long kiss between Kevin Klein and Tom Selleck. If that doesn't make you want to watch this movie, I don't know what does because it's just like <laughs> that's such a great image of those two actors. You know, 12-second kiss. It's awesome. Um, and basically... At the end of the movie, um, the, the school board kind of ousts him and says, you can't be a teacher. You're not eligible for teacher of the year, even though he is very well loved. And uh, Cameron shows up and, and gets the whole crowd to sort of rally behind Howard and gives him his Oscar and a show of solidarity. And then at the end of the movie, everybody's singing and dancing to YMCA. I think No Macho Man by the village people, um, which doesn't sound doesn't make it sound great necessarily that part. But it's a fun. It's a really fun movie. So that's kind of the gist of it. Right, Phil? Yeah, that's that's right, and it was based, well, inspired by uh, Tom Hanks's speech when he accepted the 1994 Oscar for his role in Philadelphia, because he mentioned his high school drama coach uh, and his former classmate, and um, said, two of the finest gay Americans, two wonderful men that I had the good fortune to be associated with." Uh, so I like the fact it was inspired uh, by uh, by that moment. It's good, good the way it led on to uh, to this as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I, I think we can both say we, we enjoyed this film quite a bit. It's very, very funny. I, I do really recommend it. If you haven't seen it, like it's a really just a funny, funny film. There's just so many good comedic moments. And Kevin Klein, this was like I think this is Kevin Klein at like his peak. This is right around the time he did like Dave, uh, which is another movie I like to go about after the ending of, and and some other films like that. Though it's really well. hit big the box office. What's that? Fish Called Wanda as well. Yeah, Fish Called Wanda, right. So I mean, this was just uh, you know he was doing some really good stuff then, and I, I think he's terrific in this. So. It's funny, Kevin Klein. He's one of those people. He's always, uh, you know, he's a solid actor. He's been in some big things. He's he's been the lead in many films. But he's he's kind of one of those ones, not an actor that's been forgotten. But he's just maybe it's just because he is so dependable and so good. He's just he just does the stuff. And it's I mean, I'm trying to think. What was the last thing he was in? 
Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I'm sure it's on IMDb, but I don't know. I, I certainly can't think. I mean, it's been a while since he's headlined a movie. You know, this is the time back when he could he could do that. I think nowadays in today's atmosphere, maybe he's probably not headliner material. But back in the 80s and 90s, he certainly was. That's right. Yeah, he was. He was in Beauty and the Beast. The voice of Maurice. Oh, there you go. It was a major role, but it was a voice, obviously. So yeah, that's right. But he's got a few films in post production. So there you go. So he's always around. For sure. yeah, whatever he's in, he's going to be he's going to be worth watching anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do our endings for it. Um, I think I don't know who went last. I think I went first last time, but I don't know. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I went first last time because you wish oh. I come first last time. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you did yesterday. You're right. Okay, so I'll go first then. All right. So here we go. Um, so Howard is adrift for a while. Uh, he and Peter, uh, so Peter, I'm sorry, Howard is, of course, Kevin Klein. Peter is the name of Tom Selleck's character, Peter Malloy. He's the, uh, the newscaster, or the you know, reporter. Uh, he and Peter tentatively venture out into town together a few times, but it's difficult in the small town atmosphere that, that he lives in. Even though people have started to accept, you know, Howard more, uh, they still get looks everywhere they go, and it makes having a relationship hard, so they ultimately decide to just remain friends instead of dating for the time being. But with no teaching job on the horizon, Howard decides he has to channel his energy in a new direction. So he teams up with Peter, uses his television connections to help raise funding, and just outside of Indianapolis, the big city in Indiana, uh, he opens a an acting school. Um, so now, now he knows he's no actor, but he basically acts as kind of like the headmaster, the head of the school. He takes on fundraising. He kind of hires the staff, helps plan the curriculum, things like that. Cameron Drake takes on, you know, endorsing it. And so the school very quickly becomes a huge success. Howard and the staff are very welcoming of any sexual orientation, any skin color, you name it. They're very welcoming of all types of people. Uh, it's a safe place for the young acting community. And Howard realizes all he's ever really wanted to do is just to help young people to, to succeed. Happy in his new role, Howard eventually reaches out to Peter again and asks him out on a proper first date. And as the film fades to black, we hear Peter say, that he'd love to. And that's the end. Very good. Very nice. I like Thanks. it. Simple. Simple, but I thought it was kind of, you know, kind of fitting for the movie. You know, I, I sometimes I try and sometimes I go crazy. Sometimes I like to just kind of sandwich it in there to where I think it would fit in the actual film. Yeah. That's very good. I like it. Okay. Well, thank I you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's hear what you came up with. What did you, what do you have happening? Okay. Well, uh, despite, the school board not really liking him or anymore, but to the acceptance that Howard felt from the many people in the community, his friends and family, was overwhelming. And he realized just how lucky he was and that not everyone had the same experience when coming out. He decided to try and change things for the better. So he wrote about his experiences uh, for national newspapers and then international newspapers. His story spread. A self-help book he wrote was a bestseller and various TV interviews proved immensely popular. The latter saw Howard cross paths with Peter from time to time, and they kept in touch uh, via letter and phone calls because this was a time before emails would really, you know, hit the big time. But eventually, a relationship developed between the two, and Howard felt truly happy. Howard then decided to move into local politics in Indiana. Again, due to him being extremely likable, and over the years, he moved upwards through American politics, which I have no idea because it's it just seems like all over the place. <laughs> I've seen Parks and Rec. Sure. That <laughs> <laughs> the no, really. He moves upwards and manages to bring in beneficial changes for people of all sexualities, gender, and races. 
along with many other laws and regulations that basically improve the quality of life for all. And as he moves up and up, this influence he has just starts spreading. Sadly, he does face hateful comments and actions against him, but he always carries on, picks himself up and carries on, determined to help anyone and everyone. The huge support he receives is solidified when he marries Peter in a lovely wedding, where all his friends and family and people he's helped and met along the way attend. Howard's approach to life is an inspiration to many, and a number of government officials, governors and etc., come out after seeing the way Howard has been handling things. And Cameron Drake plays Howard in a film about his life. <laughs> Years down the line, Howard is eventually voted in as the President of the United States with Peter as his first husband. And wow. America is world-renowned as a country of true tolerance and acceptance for all and leads the way in wonderful things. Well, I like that idea. No, no, no mistake in that. I mean, first of all, lovely ending. Of course, I loved it because, you know, I love happy endings. But uh, I like the idea of I like the idea of any country leading the way in acceptance mm -hmm. and tolerance. But I would especially like it if it was America, because as you may or may not have noticed over the past yeah. couple of years, uh, we are not at the current at the moment, the leader of tolerance and acceptance in the world. And I would like that to change. So, uh, you know, we do our little part here, but uh, I would love to see that happen in the future and, and really bring some some true acceptance to the world. So nicely done, Phil. Very nice. As Thank you always. very much. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did very much. Great, great stuff. All right. So there you go. That is our, those are our after the endings for In and Out. Uh, great film from 97. Good comedy. Um, if you're celebrating Pride Month, you should definitely put it on your watch list. If you're not celebrating Pride Month, you should put it on your watch list because it's just a funny movie. So you can enjoy it no matter what. And, That's right. That's Sorry, I just had to I'll change my light just to one color because I noticed it was strobing on some of them. So, oh, okay, maybe it's just distracting you. No, no, it's uh, but yeah, you're right, it's uh, it's well worth a watch. I will rewatch it again at some point. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. There's lots, lots of films around about that time which are worth uh, checking out. And Frank Oz is a very, he's a very dependable director as well. I was funny, I was saying the same thing. He's a very reliable director. You know, he's not one of the yeah, big yeah. names, one of the big flashy directors, but his films are usually pretty good. You know, you know if you're watching a Frank Oz movie, um, not only does it mean in a way Yoda directed it, because he was the voice of Yoda, of course, but you know, yeah. you're <laughs> you know, you're probably getting a pretty good film at the very least. So that's always uh, sometimes that that dependability goes further than having one big hit and then just making a bunch of mediocre crap, you know. Yeah. It keeps you probably keeps you making films a lot longer. Right, exactly. Mm. All right, so that's in and out. Let's move on to our current topic, as you guys hopefully have, have figured out by now. When we do our main feature episodes, we do an after the ending, and then we try and talk about something currently happening in the film or movie world. Um, and tonight we are talking about the theater experience. It's back. Yes. For better or for worse. Is we that can go out and we can have fun. What's that? We can go out and have fun again. Right, we can go out and have fun again. So I yesterday ventured out myself with my wife, and my daughter. Uh, my son did not join us because he does not enjoy scary movies, but we went out to the theaters and we saw A Quiet Place 2. Uh, and it was my first time in a theater in 16 months since February of 2020, which is by far the longest stretch I've ever gone without seeing a movie in the theaters in my entire life. Um, and it was interesting, to say the least. Uh, before I get into my personal experience, Phil, do you have any thoughts you want to share on the idea of, of getting back to the theater, just kind of setting things up for people? Yeah, well, I have yet to get back to the cinema. I am looking forward to it. I had hoped to get to uh, to get to the cinema over this weekend, but uh, I wanted to go see uh, 
the film I wanted to see was sold out, so I didn't get a chance to get the tickets. I left it a bit too late to book them, but uh, I can't wait to go. Although at home I have got a projector set up, so during lockdown I've been watching things on a sort of big screen, which has been most helpful. So unlike lots of people, I've still had sort of like a big screen experience, which is good. But I yep. do like, you know, I can't, I can't wait to go and see something really good on uh, on a big screen. Uh, maybe get some popcorn, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back there. But uh, reading your post about your time at the cinema yesterday, which that was the inspiration I suggested we should do a little yep. talk about uh, going back to the cinema. And Mike, if you would care to elaborate and let us know sure. how good it was. Because first of all, I saw your photo of you and your wife and daughter, and you like saying you'd hardly anybody was in the cinema. And I was thinking, wow, perfect to watch A Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah, well, uh, to be fair, uh, this particular theater that we go to, it's pretty close to our house. It's never crowded, um, which I, sometimes is a good thing because you're like, well, it's always a good thing sometimes, except you always wonder, like, I think I'm going to business one of these days. I have to start driving far again to go to the movies, uh, but it's never crowded. So that was kind of like people are like, oh, the theater's empty. I'm like, this theater's always empty. Like, there's never, even on opening night, you can always get a seat. But let me preface real quick. I, I don't, don't want to monopolize here, but let me preface real quick by saying that when I saw Quiet Place in theaters back in, what was that 2019, 2018, whichever it was, it was one of the greatest movie-going experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Because for those of you who have seen A Quiet Place, which I think is probably most of you by now, it's a super intense film that takes place with almost, I mean, just large chunks of silence. And, you know, I saw it on opening night with a packed house, and you never know what that's going to be like. And it was you could hear a pin drop silent during that movie. Everybody stopped eating their snacks. Nobody was talking. Nobody's cell phones ringing. It was complete silence. And it just magnified the experience of the film. The only time you heard people in the audience make any noise was when they were screaming or laughing, you know, and that was it. And it was it just, it was a phenomenal experience. I've never had anything like it. And I was blown away by it. And I knew it wasn't going to be the same for this because it wasn't a full theater and it's a different, you know, it's a second time around and all that stuff. But, um, you know, we, we went to the theater at the, at the beginning. We were the only people there. We brought our masks just in case. Um, but uh, then a couple came in and sat down about, I don't know, seven, eight rows in front of us. So we were we were pretty comfortable still. Um, and so in Quiet Place, it was about a good, I don't know, 10 minute opening sequence. It's really intense. And then when that ended, then the opening credits came up. And that's when two more people came in. So they missed the entire first part of the film, which was a, a fairly instrumental part of the film. So they, of course, sat two rows behind us, because that is my luck, and um, then proceeded to talk through the entire film. Um, so it started with, uh, I assume they were trying to sort out their snacks. They turned on their cell phone flashlight, which kept throwing shadows on the walls in front of us just super annoying but they kept talking and so you know i did my usual i give them my like two or three minutes of talking and then you know, during the movie and then i turn around and i say can you please not talk and knock it off with the flashlights and they were like yeah whatever they mumbled something and five more minutes of them continuing to talk i finally turn around and, and less politely i said can you not talk please <laughs> and the one girl goes and i was like okay, oh, I, don't no, know. I don't think i like it and they continued to talk and fiddle with their flashlight, which kept throwing up shadows. So at that point, we got up and moved because I'm I'm not, you know, we got up and moved like five rows up so I couldn't hear them anymore. My wife actually left. The th I wasn't going to go talk to the theater people. But she actually left the theater before I realized it and and uh, got management. They came and talked to them. And that was the last we heard of them. Now, whether that was because they stopped talking or we were just far enough away, 
I'm not sure. Um, but it was interesting. You know, like part of me was like, yeah, super happy to be back in the theaters. It's nice in the theater seats, the big screen, the air condition, the, the, the snacks, not a lot of people around. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I love the movie theater experience, you know, the surround sound and all of that stuff. And this movie had you know, some great sound design. So I really enjoy that part of things. Um, but then I forgot about how frustrating it can be and how difficult people can be and how people have no common courtesy. And I don't understand. And I'll be done in a second, Phil, because I know you, you probably have something to say. But I do not, and I never will for as long as I live, will I understand why you would pay ridiculous ticket prices. Let's be honest. Movie ticket prices are crazy right now oh, yeah. for a long time. Ridiculous ticket prices to then talk over a movie, especially a movie literally called A Quiet Place. It's in the title of the film. But if you saw the first one, and I have to imagine you did if you're there to see the second one, you know how quiet the film is. So why would you come to that film just to talk the whole time. I don't understand it. I literally can't wrap my brain around why people would do that. Um, so that was frustrating. So that definitely tainted the experience a little bit. I'll stop there and let you let you get some thoughts in. I know we have some comments as well. Um, but if you want to say something, then we'll we'll, we'll take a look at some comments. Yeah, well, uh, I totally, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I've never understood why people do go to the cinema. You know, they go there, they buy the tickets, and then make their way into the cinema. First of all, if you're going to go in like 10 minutes late, you know, I just maybe go, not bother. If you realize you're going to be that late, don't get a ticket. But then you get to sit down and then talk about it and really talk all through the film. I mean, maybe they thought because it's a quiet place, part two, because it is quiet, they're thinking, well, we'll be able to talk. People aren't going to miss anything because there's no dialogue. Missing the point that there's, you know, you need the atmosphere, you need that time, you need the quiet. I, it really, I cannot understand. There must be some reason for it. Maybe they just maybe they just feel like they're back at home, or maybe they just don't care what other people think. We've got no empathy at all. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's and, I, and the frustration you feel. I remember going to see a film years ago, uh, and there was a few people next to us, and a friend I was with. It was I think it might have been the last Lord of the Rings film, uh, but uh, people were talking all the way through, and we kept commenting, and people were going, "Just shut up, will you?" Just kept getting worse, but they just didn't seem to realise it was aimed at them. And it just it just ruined the whole film because you're just waiting for the next time they're going to speak. Mm -hmm. That happens. It, but you just end up going. <gasps> you you end up. I ended up focusing on them talking and trying to figure out like, okay, at what point do I say something? You know, my focus gets split from the film, and I shouldn't have to worry about that in a theatrical experience. That is not what it's supposed to be about. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, but when you do get it right, though, and the people aren't talking and everybody's there for the same reason. I mean, cinema is, that's why we love film, because because of going to the cinema and having those, you know, moments. experience, right? Yeah, and sometimes just like a spiritual thing, which just, you're totally absorbed and you just, you are part of the movie or just moving right. in ways it is. And having been to the cinema in America as well and seeing what the crowd's there, and I mean, everybody applauds at the end, which, oh, you don't do that over here. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but, uh, Wow. It's just uh, it's just great. It's just the way of people coming together, the shared experience. And that's what makes film great is when you have those moments. But then you get plonkers. You do stuff like that. And just it can just take you out the, out the zone. And as I say, they probably don't realize they're doing it. They probably have a great time. Probably wonder why all these people are telling them to go. <laughs> exactly. That's the way it is. But we've, as you said, we've got some comments. Do you want to? We got a lot of comments kind of flying in. This is a hot topic. So we'll yeah, start yeah. off with this one here from Jamie F. 
Well, I guess yeah. I could say her last name because it's on the screen, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, James Fern, Fern? says, I think it's understandable that people might find it a bit unsettling as we transition back to more in-person activities. That's that's great. Thank you very much, Jamie, for commenting. It's very Absolutely. nice. Uh, okay. Then we have from James Powell. Why do people feel the need to sit near others, even in an empty theater? You know, that's... that. Okay, I'll say this, for one. In this case, the seating was assigned, so you kind of had to pick your seats based on, you know... They were two rows up from us, which isn't too, too bad. Um, but it, it does kill me, even before the pandemic, when people... You'd have, like, an empty theater, and people would come and sit, like, in the row right in front of you. And yeah. in the center, like, right in front of you, I'm like, you can't even go off a seat or two? Like, that always killed me. I'm like, why do people do that? I don't... Like I try and get nice and isolated from other people when I go to the films and still yeah. get a good seat. So I don't know, James. I don't. I don't get it either. Uh, yeah, now, you to ask about. Sorry, go ahead, Phil. Yeah, you, you always have that thing, yeah. Where personally, when I go to the cinema, I I see people there. I go, I want to sit up there because then I've got an equal space away from all of them. And right. That just seems the sensible thing to do. That's what I would like. Uh, I got to ask about this one. If Jamie is still watching, she says, "Boo, that's rubbish, Mike." With a thumbs down. Is that? Uh, regarding the comments of like the people were rubbish or something yeah, that, that came through when you're talking about what the people uh were talking oh, okay. about okay all right i thought she, so she was disagreeing with something i said so i want to make sure no, I no, she was agreeing with how crap it was all right cool um and then james again says annoying cinema goers will destroy cinemas faster than any pandemic i you know it certainly destroys the experience that is for sure uh without a doubt and then we have another comment here, which I think is interesting. I want to talk about this one real quickly. James says that millennials treat the cinema as a social experience. The movie is just a background thing going on whilst they hang out with their friends. You know, I don't disagree with that. And I, I understand why why you say that. But I, I was that age once. I'm <laughs> not to sound too old. My I used to go to the movies with huge groups of friends. I mean, 8, 10, 12 of us, you know, like four or five couples. We'd all go to the movies together when we were in our early 20s and stuff. And it was a very social thing. But we still didn't talk during the movies. You know, you talk up to the movie, you talk maybe, I mean, I don't talk during the trailers, but maybe a little bit or whatever, you know, maybe an odd comment here or there. Uh, that's okay. But, but this, then after the movie, you all, you know, you go out to dinner or you something and you talk about it and you all have a big conversation about it. That was how we made it social. I don't, even though I guess it is a millennial thing, which I don't necessarily argue with, I don't understand why that they think that's okay or why that become the norm for them. I think the difference is because many people, we, uh, you know, watch watch films at home with one while being on the phone as well, and and commenting and talking to friends on the phone while it's playing. So right. Lots of people. I don't want to be sounding like a total boomer. But, <laughs> right. uh, maybe it is that. Maybe it's because they're on the phone talking to friends. Maybe when they go to the cinema, they sort of this disconnect again. They're going, "Well, it's I'm doing the same thing, but I'm going to talk to this." I don't know. I'm not a millennial. I don't think. I'm not sure right. the whole what the split is, but maybe it is that because the whole mobile phone social. Uh, social, what the, what's social media? Um, social media, yeah, and that's what we have a comment from James saying he was the same, but social media has changed attitudes, and I do think yeah. that could be a part of it. Um, one more comment from James I want to mention actually that I really liked. Uh, cinema should have staff members in rotation spending time in each screening to ensure annoying attendees don't ruin the experience for the majority. This I strongly stand behind. I have noticed that, you know, in the American cinemas, at least, I don't know about in, in England, but, you know, you get the, the usher that comes in one time, they walk up and down the aisle real quick, barely looking at anything, and then they're gone. And if people are talking, they don't, they don't catch any of it. You know, I think they need to have people who kind of, like you said, rotate in or one person who kind of stands there for a good chunk, 15, 20 minutes, make sure the crowd is settled and people aren't talking. 
and then you leave. You know, um, I know one of my friends mentioned, you know, the Alamo theaters, Alamo yeah, theaters, yeah. they started in Texas. They have them in Brooklyn. They don't have them by us. Unfortunately, uh, they have very strict rules. You know, you get one warning and then you're out. If you're talking, you're out. Your cell phones are on, you're out. Right. If you're talking, you know, things like that, they'll throw people out of their theaters and they're, you know, people might think, oh, how are you going to have a business like that? But they are very successful and they've expanded greatly. I think because the real movie buffs, you know, the real movie fans go to that theater because of that. And then let the other people who want to talk go to your, you're not, you know, the chains that aren't like that. Right. So, um, so I do think that would be a great idea. I would like to see theaters take more responsibility for that. You know, it shouldn't be up to me to always have to be the person to get up from my seat and miss part of the movie just so that I can try and ensure that everybody's having a good experience. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I mean, the Alamo, uh, is, what is it? No, the draft house is Alamo. Is that what it's called? The Alamo Draft House, yep, yep. The Alamo Draft House, yeah, yeah. That's a cinema I'd love to go to because I've I've read about it. I've seen what screenings are like. I'd love mm -hmm. I'd love cinemas like that over here. I mean, we do get some with a uh, some more, more like the indie ones and things like that, where people are going to see the film because they want to see the film. Uh, but like like you like you said over here, we don't get as many times where the uh, where the staff member comes and we used to get that. I remember when we were younger, you know, people coming in regularly to see what was going on, but. Uh, yeah, we could do that a bit more, but if people don't like confronting other people nowadays because... Right, but that's why you need theatre employees to do it. Other people don't seem to I mean, but it, Yeah, you get some people who just feel that they have a right to just do that, and if you tell them not to or ask them kindly not to, they just carry on because it's their right to, to do mm -hmm. so. No, oh, another comment I'll just mention from Christine who says, it never used to be that way. Ushers used to stand on the side and stay there dating myself yeah, <laughs> I, do, yeah, I, remember that. yeah. I think i vaguely remember that I, I, have, I have some memories of that as well but it definitely is not how they do things now but here okay now here's the thing though i don't i don't want the whole conversation to be about my complaints about the theater experience really what we want to talk about also was you know like what's it like getting back out there and and you know is it fun is it worth going to and i will say this once the conflict settled down we had a great time you know, um, it was it's a great movie for those of you who are interested in seeing Quiet Place 2. Um, I really, the, the, you know, the jump scares got us every time. My wife and I both. She, I got a, she got a couple more than me, uh, I will say. There was one or two that I kind of knew were coming more and I didn't they didn't scare me as much. But I got a bunch of them. And it's like, you know, there's that the loudness of it and the size of it and everything. And, it, you know, makes you jump, which is great fun during a, a horror film like that. You know, the, the music, the silence even was a part of it. The, you know, the surround sound, the sound design in the movie is amazing. Um, you know, so I do want to also focus on the fact that there are some positives about getting back to the movie theater. I have a nice big screen TV. I've been watching movies on it throughout the pandemic. It is not the same still as going to the theater you know, and, and having crowd reactions or just having those visceral reactions to certain things that you can't, I think, get the same way at home. You know what I mean? What do you, what do you think about that? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, as, as I said, I mean, even with the projector at home, it's, that's really good. You are getting that, that, that experience, but it's, it's still not as good as when you are in the cinema and there's other people and obviously the screen's even bigger and you have the sound system and you have that, you know, the, just the it, it makes the seats tremble and then like with the quiet place when those moments of silence do hit it's just oh, it takes your breath away you, you realize you're holding your breath and you, you're jumping with everybody because sometimes at home and it's jump scares you go eh. <laughs> right where you get to you a little bit like we were like seats, you know that's it and there's comedy bits as well at home you go huh. but when you're at the cinema and everybody jumps right or laughs, and you just it, it, it just lifts it just makes the experience lifts it tenfold especially if it's a good film 
Uh, but we've had yeah. If, if other people want to check out all the comments. There's lots of other comments going on, but uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring up yeah. this. One. We have another one real quick that I'll bring from from Richard. Uh, this is a fun anecdote. Having worked in a cinema, screen checking was tough to juggle with cleaning and resetting screens and the rest. And there's a balance to be found. Is the disruption caused by one or two folk checking Facebook worth the disruption of removing them? Fair point. This comes from a guy who got a round of applause when off shift, I marked 12 teenagers out of Miami Vice, a film which deserved to be disturbed, in my opinion. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. Yeah. Really. Everything I like said was done. <laughs> wow, 12 teenagers out of a film. That's a uh, well played, Richard. Well played. Yeah, I've, I've had some, um, and I don't want to bag on teenagers because I was a well behaved. I mean, I know they're definitely well behaved. My daughter is very well behaved when she's in the movie theater. She doesn't say a word. Um, but you get a big group of them together. Sometimes they can be rowdy. I've had a few experiences with that as well. So I can imagine. But you make a good point, Richard. It, it can be tough to to juggle that. Um, that said, because at the moment I'm just fantasizing about things I want, I would like to see theaters take more responsibility for it. Whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. Um, but I would like to see that happen and be able to have some better experiences. I guess the thing too is if it didn't happen so often, you know, yeah. it's not like it's just once in a while there's someone talking in the movie theater, you know, once every six months it happens. It's, it's become a much more regular thing. And I feel like that's, you know, uh, it's part of, unfortunately it's become part of the, uh, the cinema going experience, but it's probably been like that for years and it's always just a small minority. Yeah. Like it, yeah. People, it's always comments. a small group that ruins it for everyone else. Yeah, a few more comments though. Uh, Jamie saying she really wants to see oh. Quiet Place too. Hang um, on, I'm up as we saying, it's more atmospheric. Well, really it, Jamie, when you see it, you'll enjoy it. It's fantastic. Yeah, what else? Uh, James. Oh, James. Says, oh yeah, James says it in my Miami Vice. James, you're wrong. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong. People, people enjoy it. People like it. Uh, it probably wasn't what I was expecting from a Miami Vice film, to be honest. It, yeah, Michael Mann is just the least. Uh, the least interested director in Hollywood in having humor in his films, I think. Like, he's the most serious director in Hollywood. Like, I don't think there's a single joke in a single Michael Mann film. Like, he just, I, you know, just so serious all the time. Yeah. Like, lighten up a little, Michael Mann. You're a millionaire. Lighten up. I, I like Michael Mann. I do like Michael Mann films well. Miami Vice, as, uh, as James says, it's not his best. I like a couple of his films. I have a couple of his films. I'm not a huge fan. I wish he would lighten up a little bit. Yeah, but I cannot wait to get back to the cinema and see A Quiet Place Part Two and lots of other films. I'm also I've been watching uh, the Marvel movies in chronological order, and if I got it right, there's a chance because I believe Black Widow is set between Infinity War and Endgame, and if I've timed it right, I might actually be able to go and see it to draw my chronological. There you movie. go. We are planning on my my family. We're planning on watching the whole Marvel thing in chronological chronological order this summer. I will say that reminds me one other thing. I forgot about the cinema experience that I want to mention on the positive side. Missed seeing trailers. It is not the same. I've never, never been a big fan of watching trailers online the first time I see them. So a lot of times people will say to me like, "Oh, have you seen the new trailer for you know for the new Marvel movie?" I'm like, "No, not yet. I know it's online. I'm just waiting to see it in the theater because I like to have that be my first vision of it rather than like watching on my phone." Or whatever, and so we saw trailers yesterday for uh, Black Widow, a new tra trailer for Black Widow, which was great. Uh, a, a new trailer for Fast and Furious Nine, which, as I know, Phil, this is one of our franchises we disagree on. I love the Fast and the Furious movies. Phil tolerates them. Yeah, right. The fun, but, I, I do laugh a lot when I'm watching them. Um, we right. Well, I do too, but the, but but I I think in a different way. Um, we saw one for the new Conjuring movie, which is also on HBO Max. I will probably watch that on HBO Max. Not going to lie. I do pay for HBO Max. I'm not a big enough Conjuring fan uh, to go out and see it. Saw um, 
a trailer for the new uh, Edgar Wright film, um, actually. Uh, oh, really what, the name of it? Uh, the Last, name is night. Last Night in Soho? Last Night in Soho. It looks really intense. And we saw a trailer for the new M. Night Shyamalan film called Old, which looks really fun, I have to say. It uh, it looks really, it looks like classic Shyamalan, you know, kind of a, a, a premise, a setup. It could be great. Or it could be the happening, you know. That's classic um, yeah, yeah. But it but does look, it does that's look. Based, um, that's based on a graphic novel called The Sandcastle or Sandcastle. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. Uh, but really it, that was great. Like when the trailers come up, even my wife, who's not nearly the cinema goer that I am, even she went, "Oh, trailers!" And I was like, "Yes, trailers are awesome." So that was fun. That was yeah, fun. Sometimes you don't realize you've missed them until they actually have them. I mean, I post lots of trailers on Live for Films all the time, but like sometimes I watch them, sometimes I don't. Uh, but even when I watch them, it's just not the same impact as when you're in the this, this cinema and it blasts up and you go, oh, wow, that's Yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. It's just another uh, place. James has commented that Black Widow will be the first movie I will see in a cinema post-pandemic. Good choice. You can't go wrong with that. Um, so, And I will definitely be seeing that and Fast and Furious 9 in theaters. No no two ways about it. Uh, <laughs> hey, there we go. I'm, a bro I'm putting this one on screen, Phil. There's nothing you can do about it. From oh, well, Richard I, I Furious. Tokyo Drift, most underrated Fast and Furious film. Incidentally, also the worst film for kicking out folk when I worked there. That doesn't surprise me entirely. Uh, I agree. Tokyo Drift is very underrated because it has none of the main character. Well, sort of, you know. But um, but it is actually a surprisingly good film. I do agree with you. The Tokyo Drift is definitely the most underrated. Um, uh, Fast Five is obviously the best, but it's it's not. It's perfectly rated. It's not underrated. People people pretty much recognize that that it's. Uh, it's the it's an action masterpiece, and you heard me correctly, Phil. It's an action masterpiece. Is that the one with the, the the plane on the runway, which the longest runway in the world? No, that's that's six actually. Five is the one with the bank safe going through Rio de Janeiro. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah. Oh, and then the flying off the cliff. Oh, it's so good, so good. Fast Five, love it. All right, so. I think we have uh, used up our allotted time for this episode. We're trying to keep these around a half an hour. We're a little over, but we're having a good a good conversation with some really nice comments. Thank you to everybody who. Um, oh, one more comment I got to show because this is. I you know, yeah, yeah. James, I was living in Puerto Rico, a stone's distance away from where they filmed the bank heist bridge sequence. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, but thank you everybody who commented. It was great. Always love to hear from people watching. Uh, caused horrible traffic. How ironic. Well, that makes makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think any event in a Fast and Furious movie is going to cause bad traffic. Um, but uh, so thank you everybody for commenting. And the, for those of you who are watching or listening after the fact, uh, join us live next time. But we're not done for the night. This is just done for this episode. We are going to wrap up this episode. And then we're going to take about a two minute break just so I can start the next episode up. And then we'll be back live again to do our top five list and our ATE recommends. So if you're watching live, which I know we've got a pretty good handful of people watching tonight, uh, please stick around. Uh, we'll be back right back in the same feed you're watching it in right now in about two or three minutes. If you're watching after the fact that our next episode will be whenever it normally drops, probably next week. Yeah. So go get yourself a drink for those of you watching live. Thank yep. you all for commenting. Thank you all for watching. We really do appreciate it. It's been a good conversation as well with this one. I've enjoyed seeing the conversation develop in the comments as well. Absolutely. Uh, if you're watching this uh, on a, if you're watching this in the future on YouTube or listen to it on the podcast, uh, whenever we do it, it's usually every other Monday, you can find us on Facebook on the fa after the ending Facebook page, and you can mm -hmm. comment on there, and you can join all the fun. That's right. We'll see you in a moment. Yes. And, and uh, yes, that'll wrap us up for now. So we'll see you in a moment or we'll see you next week, whichever comes first, something like that. Uh, thank you as always for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time.
after the ending.